Hey, this is Shannon Kay, and you're listening to Get Real. Hey, everyone, this is Shannon Kay, and welcome to Get Real. Our guest for today is not just an artist, but an actress, filmmaker, writer, producer, and director. She has really done it all. Please welcome Tamla D'Amico. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on to the show. How are you? Um, you know, hanging in like everybody else during this uh, new lockdown situation, this never-ending pandemic, but hanging in. I bet. So I would just straight jump to the questions because, I mean, you've really done it all. So I have a bunch of questions for you lined up here. Okay. I want to start off with asking you what got you into music? Or, like, which of the fields attracted you first, you know, when you started off? They're sort of all-encompassing. I'm the youngest of five kids. We had a very uh, musical household in the way of music was always playing. Um, but my siblings are much older than I am, and my mom kept me home. I, I went to kindergarten, but I didn't go to preschool. Mm-hmm. The normal track, of course, in America is kids go to preschool, then kindergarten, especially now with both parents working. And um, I did not go to preschool and I instead watched, not PBS like Sesame Street, I watched an old nostalgia network, which would be akin to like Turner classic movies, like old Hollywood movies (laughs) as a child. And I think because I watched all those movies so young and, you know, learning what the studio system was where everyone had to become a good actor, singer, dancer, everything all at once, I think I thought that, you know, in order to be an actor, you had to have all those skills. Getting into acting, I I must say, was that an easy transition from because you were already into music? So, you know, for me as an artist, I feel like acting and and music, they kind of go hand in hand, Um, you know, whether and like you were just mentioning about like the whole musicals and everything. So, you know, did acting kind of naturally get into your music as well? Or was that something that you had to kind of? Yeah, I, I consider myself to be a storyteller in all mediums. So for me, if I'm singing a song, I'm singing it as a storyteller, as an actress. Uh, same thing for acting. It's just like, you know, using your instrument in a different medium. So for me, I'm always a storyteller first, no matter what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, we all have like these challenges in our lives, you know, whether we're like, um, you know, in work or just in personal life. So when you were trying to get into this acting career or even filmmaking or directing, were there any challenges in your life or any obstacles which you had to overcome? You know, as a female, you know, I was singing and acting, but then to be a filmmaker as well in a, in a position where there are so few women in relation to it being, you know, a male dominated industry. Um, that was a challenge for people to, I think, accept at first, but I, I have three brothers and I was raised to believe that everyone's a peer. So I, I never had any fear in trying to get into any field. The challenge came more from, uh, and I don't know if this is going to translate as well now as it did maybe like 10 years ago, but the, the challenge for me was, with other people, with representation, uh, meaning my representative saying, oh, you have to choose. Mm. Like, are you an actress? Are you a singer? Are you a filmmaker? 
we don't know how to pitch you. And I'm like, why do I have to choose? That's your flaw. It's not my flaw. Uh, I'm doing everything. You just, you have to be the one to figure out, you know, how to focus that to get the jobs in other words. Um, now you have to be all things encompassing to be a content creator. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously a lot of people have help and whatnot, but the people who are working all the time are putting out content themselves and you're doing it yourself with this podcast. You know what I mean? I'm sure you have help, but I'm saying it's your initiative. It's your, it's your thing. And you're not going to wait for anyone to do it for you. You know? So it's, I sort of came from that mentality that like, Oh, I'm just, I want to create these things. So I will do it. But the challenge was other people's reaction to that saying like, no, 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 you have to choose one thing. But we've sort of grown from that, thankfully. But uh, yeah, it was a challenge at the start because already I was in a position as a filmmaker where there were few, few women. Now there's more, thank God. Uh, but um, getting other people to accept that it was cool to be all those things and that I wasn't trying to simply like conquer the world. It was like, I can do these things, so I'm just doing them. So looking all around the industry, whether it's like from, you know, behind the cameras or on camera, do you feel like, you know, we have evolved and, and we've given, you know, this platform to women to come, you know, to be themselves and, um, you know, just, just be an artist and as, and as well as a filmmaker? Or do you think that we need to work around in some fields of the industry? I think all fields need to be elevated, of course. I think the discourse that we've had with the Me Too movement and all these things, talking about women in the industry, have certainly helped this year to a large degree. But I think now, you know, the responsibility now in a way falls on women to be that much greater. As, as female artists, as filmmakers, we already have so much pressure on ourselves to uh, be that much greater because they expect us to be now that we are given these opportunities. Like here, we've handed this to you. The door is open. Show us what you can do. So I just urge women to actually learn craft as well as telling their stories, like learn what a grip does, learn what a sound guy does, try to be all encompassing so that if something goes wrong, you know how to speak on that behalf. And that's for every filmmaker, not just women. It's for every filmmaker. But I, yes, I think we still have a way to go. We still have a way to understanding uh, women as storytellers and what their stories are. Uh, as somebody who pitches to a lot of studios, I'm getting asked, even now, after all of this discussion that we've had in the industry about women, I'm getting asked first, oh, do you have any women in peril stories? And I'm like, why does the woman have to be in trouble or being attacked or, you know, getting chased in order for this story to be interesting? Why can't it just be about this woman who's a doctor who, you know, whatever. So we still have to overcome that kind of thing. Like women are not victims. When it comes to diversity or just, you know, being independent, I feel like, um, you know, sometimes we hear so many things about the industry being uh, a bit, you know, challenging risky or dangerous for women uh whether it's you know whether it's like women in in the music industry or in the acting industry or even behind the camera so you know how hard do you think that has been over over the years and do you and what do you think the future might be i absolutely love that that's great <laughs> you know you're a big believer 
in storytelling. So as a filmmaker or producer or even writer, what, what exactly do you look for in a story? You know, what convinces you or what attracts you to, you know, to being a part of that project? And, and when it comes to writing, what are your inspiration? Like, what do you kind of write about or think about? Sure. I mean, it kind of varies. I have people always ask, like, what's your favorite movie? And I'm like, if I tell you what my favorite movies are, it doesn't really translate to who I am as a filmmaker. I'm inspired by those things, but it doesn't mean I'm making those kind of movies. But I like a lot of psychological, uh, psychologically based characters or generally speaking, I'm a fan of Frank Capra, the old movie, It's a Wonderful Life, that people watch every single Christmas. All of his movies dealt with characters who were the underdog. And the themes were championing the little man within his stories. And the character always felt like, oh, I could be great if I can get out of this small town, but then soon realizes, oh, wow, I'm great within my small town. And the change was me. Like, uh, it was there all along type thing, you know? Uh, so I like stories like that where the character goes through the process of affecting change, but really the change happens because of something that they realize about themselves, um, which you would think is most movies, but not so much anymore with like all the big blockbusters. We tend to see more uh, action driven things than story, character driven story. And as a filmmaker, do you feel like the digital you know, platform or the digital world that we're living in at the moment has had an impact on, you know, on the movies? Like... I believe that a couple of months ago, you know, everybody was just talking about how, you know, the movies are now going to be released on these uh, networks, you know, whether it's Amazon Prime or Hulu, you know, it's not going to be on theaters, the world's going to change. So as a filmmaker, what are your thoughts on that and like the future of movies? I was sort of ahead of my time. Uh, Ten years ago, I was over at CAA, which is Creative Artist Agency. Uh, having a meeting with all these agents. And one of the things that I had pitched was this TV series, web series that I was doing for the internet called Sex Ed the Series. And an agent very seriously said to me, Tamla, no one's going to watch television on the internet. Hmm. And I was like, bro, you are so wrong. Like people are already watching things on their phones. What are you talking about? And of course, now that agent today sells a lot of digital uh, uh, television and projects. But um, yes, we have moved to the digital age, uh, digital age where everyone can be a content creator in addition to being in a competitive market with studio. So as the pandemic has showed us, people are watching everything from home and the studio system has to adapt because the theaters are actually physically closed. Uh, it, they're limited in some states you're not going to make your money back on a $100 million picture if you wait for the theater release. You have to release it first online. Um, so all those things are changing. Do I think movie theaters will go, will go away completely? I don't think so. Not for a bit. Because people, I would hope not. Let's just say that. People need to get out of their environment, out of their homes. It's not good to be home this much uh, for several reasons. Like psychologically speaking, your health, your body. Uh, human interaction is something that we need and people would go to the movie theater to have an escape. And now if you don't have that escape because you're watching everything from home, it's going to be very detrimental. So last but not the least, before we jump over to our game segment here, what are, what is some of the, what are some of the advices or tips 
um, that you would like to give out to the aspiring young, um, you know, actors or musicians or even filmmakers who are trying to break into the industry? Sure. I think whatever um, device you have at your disposal, use it and start creating content. Mm -hmm. Even if you are insecure about it or you have a fear of failure, words have power. Do not even let that get into your brain. Just start creating and you'll learn by trial and error. If you're, if you're not going to film school, if you can't afford film school, there, there's other ways to learn. I mean, the internet is at your disposal. You can learn so much online from YouTube videos uh, for people who don't plan to attend an actual school. Watching movies is another thing. Emulating is another thing. Uh, just start creating and put your stories down. Get the pen to the paper and, and get moving because if you don't, the only person who is stopping you is yourself. All right, so now we're going to move on to the really cool game segment. Okay, I'm ready. One thing which you always wanted to do but haven't done. Oh, gosh. Uh, oh, my God, I'm stumped already. One thing I always wanted to do but haven't done. I kind of want to go skydiving. I mean, does that sound cliche? No way. I wanted to do that as well. Yeah, I think I just, I, maybe I'll just do it once, but I, I want to do it. Same. I'll come. I'll join you. <laughs> All right, let's do it. <laughs> All right. On what occasion do you lie? On what occasion do I lie? Okay, probably the only real occasion that I lie that I can think of off the top of my head, uh, where I definitely am making a choice to lie, is if I'm in a rush. And mm -hmm. when, when someone's like, oh, and I just say, the first thing that comes to my mind to sort of keep moving forward, um, which necessarily is not a lie, but I'll, I'll make it be bigger than what it, the emergency bigger than what it needs to be just to keep moving. Okay. I see that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Which talent would you most like to have? I would love to have the talent of knowing every language on the planet. I would love to know that as well. I mean, life would be so much easier. <laughs> yeah, because then you can communicate with everyone and be a translator and help out, whatever. Absolutely. All right, what is one of your weirdest habits? One of my weirdest habits. Uh, okay, every time I fly, travel on a plane, uh, depending on where you go into the plane and the size of the plane, you know, they have the many doors, when I get into the plane, I physically touch every seat that it takes to get to my seat and count. And I, I've done this since I'm a child, and it sounds so weird, but I told this to a military friend once, and he's like, no, that's super smart, because if you ever go underwater, you know the correct amount of seats before you get to the door. And I'm like, well, I hope that never happens, if that's even a plausible thing, uh, that that would even work. But I, that is a weird thing I do. It sounds like an OCD kind of thing, but that's the only like thing like that that I do. I don't know why. It's like a weird, innate, like survival thing I do when I fly. All right. I don't know <laughs> if it's weird or smart, but... <laughs> yeah. Tell us one thing people don't know about you. One thing people don't know about me. Uh, I worked undercover as a private investigator uh, for a number of years back and forth. And a lot of people don't know that, but it was cool and it felt like an acting job most of the time. Wow. Wow. I, I think I might need another episode of all. <laughs> I am intrigued. I am really excited. Okay. 
that's so cool. You know, I always wanted to be an undercover agent or detective. Um, but wow, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> fun. It was fun. I did have fun. Yeah. All right. One embarrassing moment from your life. One embarrassing moment. I don't really tend to get embarrassed. I think I was embarrassed most of my childhood by my brothers constantly doing stuff to me, like having somebody call your name over the loudspeaker in a grocery store, like, you know, saying I lost my sister and they would say my name. Uh, so I'm, I'm over the embarrassment thing, but something that happened a few years ago that's kind of humorous. Um, I had had this weird dream that I met the actress Bette Midler on the street and I was in, I was by coastal at this point going back and forth to New York. So I was in New York doing a play and I came out of my play one night. This is now real life, not the dream. Uh, and I'm walking with my friend Ken and we're going up fifth Avenue and I'm wearing, I'm already tall at five foot eight and a half. So now put heels on me. I'm like over six feet at this point. And we're walking down fifth Avenue pretty late at night around 11 PM. And I see this little person like up ahead, this little diminutive person. And I'm like, oh my God, that's Bette Midler. Like I just had this dream and there she is. And she had just come out of her play and she had like no makeup on. Her hair wasn't done. She's in her little runner suit and she's coming towards me as we're passing. And I'm like, Ken, Ken, we got to say hi to her. And she passes by the moment sort of passes and I turn and look and there's a doorman fifth Avenue has all these doorman buildings. And he looks at me like, yep, that was Bette Midler. And I was like, Oh my God, I have to say something. So I turn around and now, like I said, I am super tall in comparison to her. She's like five foot two or something. And, um, I shout out, I'm like miss Midler. And she turns around. She's like at the corner by the stop sign doing her little power walk. And she turns around and she looks me up and down like I'm so tall, you know, she's like trying to get a gauge on me. And I walk up to her and I'm like, oh my God, congratulations on all your awards that you've gotten for this play. And I just want to let you know, you're my biggest fan. Oh. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I said. So I, I hear myself say it and she's looking at me like, what? <laughs> and I turn around and look at my friend Ken and he goes, yup, that's exactly what you said. And I just started laughing. I just could not control my laughter. And she was like, well, okay, bye. And she takes off and I'm like, oh my God. He's like, are you embarrassed? I'm like, I'm not embarrassed. It was just the weirdest thing. So I ended up tweeting her and I'm like, hey, it, like whatever. Sorry that happened, but you know, it was cool to meet you. And she totally ignored it. So I was like, whatever. But I loved Bette Midler as a kid. It was just like one of these weird things that happened. So I'm, it's just like a weird personal funny story for me. And I'm like, it doesn't matter how old you are. You can make an ass out of yourself no matter where you are. Absolutely. That was so funny. Oh my gosh. I hope that she looks at your, your tweet someday. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who knows if she even saw it, but anyway, it was pretty funny just to see her face. Like, she's like, what are you saying to me fool? You know, I was like, goodbye. <laughs> Remember you for that. <laughs> <laughs> So much for being on the show I had so much fun talking to you and you know hearing about your amazing stories and and just being inspired by you as a woman you know being in the not just being an actress and musician but also you know channeling yourself in into filmmaking directing and writing and everything I think you're a true inspiration for every woman out here you know who are trying to thank do, you you know just be themselves and and somehow you know get let down by in the industry or by the people 
um, or by the male dominating, uh, you know, place that we, we are in. But, you know, thank you so much for sharing your stories. And I hope that, you know, you had fun, uh, you know, for sure. and I cannot wait for all your future projects. Yeah. Uh, just to note, you can watch one little finger, uh, on all streaming platforms, Amazon, Apple, iTunes, Vudu, Google, it's out now just released. Absolutely. I would definitely watch it. Thank you so much. Once again, thank you for having me. Thank you.